Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, surprisingly unique products and services in the D.C. region. We had a lot of cognitive dissonance, I and our founders, about whether we're a product company or services company, much like what we see today with a lot of the services businesses in D.C. A recent survey completed by American University pointed out that of the almost 900 cybersecurity-related businesses in our region, only 5% were product-oriented businesses. Is this a big deal? Why do we care? We're here in the studio with John Fun. John is the chief product officer at Data Tribe, a local venture capital firm that they describe themselves as a startup studio with offices here and in San Francisco. And their focus is very much around starting product technology product businesses. John, first of all, thanks for joining us. Jonathan, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, now let, let's talk about product. What are the three biggest differences between a technology service and a technology product company? Well, the the key things, I think, when you look at the highest level um, of a product company is that it's really engineered and architected for repeatability, um, where service companies are really more oriented around servicing clients. And so if you view it, you know, product companies really trying to create value for a market and services companies are really creating value for markets, but also highly optimized for delivery to individual clients. And when that gets boiled down, it gets boiled down into a, a lot of operational uh, functional differences in the way that those um, different uh, those different capabilities are actually kind of delivered and hardened. So in a product company, the actual delivery mechanisms are are more hardened, if you will, and so that's what makes it more repeatable. But it's in that hardening that there's a lot more uh, strategic thinking and and kind of roadmap thinking that you have to do because you're making significant investments in uh, engineering and and product management to understand. Uh, the requirements and the product market fit. Whereas in a in a services company, um, you, it's very agile. You you know if 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 a client one client wants something that's different than another client, you can easily kind of adjust and adapt and do things that are custom to the to the different clients. Well, I always think of a service company very much as being what we have here in the government contracting industry. You're providing technology, but you're providing it in a form dictated to you by a specific client, and you build what the client wants. What you're saying with the hardened concept is that. A technology product company figures out based upon what the founders see in the world of possibility a product that can be sold to lots of customers without any specific modifications right. it's to scale what we call scalability those are very different things do you, do you think it's possible for a somebody who's developed a service business a service technology business to become a product entrepreneur can you can you do both so you can. There are. It's not that it's impossible. So I, I, I have a firsthand um, story about this. I mean, I, my my first company um, was a professional services business, but we didn't start out as a professional services business. It was back in '95 in this area, and um, you know, we it was this was right around the very beginning of of the internet, and we um, had this idea uh, for creating an arts and entertainment guide. So think, you know, City Search and Digital City. Those you know, way way back in mm -hmm. the early days. And um, at that time, I was just a few years out of college, as were my co-founders. And so, um, you know, we, we knew how to hack, we knew how to develop, but we didn't know much about raising money or anything else. And, and so we went off and built a great system um, and we launched it. And for a period of about six months in 95, we actually were even better than the city paper and the post in terms of, of delivering local arts and entertainment event and listings, kind of Yelp type things. We, um, we knew one thing 
we knew we were running out of money. We didn't know how to raise money, um, but we, we, we were running out of money. Uh, and, and so what we ended up doing is we started tapping on contacts we had and started doing essentially um, software, contract software work. Um, and uh, this was at the time when you know, client-server computing was still predominant and web-based technologies were very new. So, so we had a real kind of entree into a lot of big clients doing that type of, uh, that type of work. We always had some cognitive dissonance. This, so this business was ClaraVista, and we built ClaraVista to 60 team members, sold it to CMGI in 99. It was, a, it was a very nice outcome. But we had a lot of cognitive dissonance, I and our founders, about whether we're a product company or a services company, much like what we see today with a lot of the services businesses in D.C. Over the course of literally two or three years, we, we made two or three different product attempts based on things we were building with our various clients, taking you know things we were building with clients and negotiating intellectual property terms so that we could retain the intellectual property rights and then to, uh, you know, to kind of try to generalize them and commercialize them. And what we learned was that it just takes an enormous amount of focus. Like the amount of focus you need to really do a product um, is very, very, uh, very, very high. And uh, so it demands um, sometimes uh, a level of, of capital and, a lo and certain operational functions that are, that are different. Um, and so anyway, long story short, we ended up uh, we ended up, um, after a couple of years, finally concluding that we were truly a professional services business in that company. And after we did that and, and got that level of focus, our growth as a professional services company really grew. Well, speaking of growth, you mentioned earlier raising money. That One of the big challenges is service businesses grow largely on the basis of the billable hour. Product businesses grow by making something once and then duplicating it again and again. So yeah. product businesses, if they hit it right, will grow 30, 40, 50, 100 percent a year. Service businesses don't grow like that. So what are the other what are the attributes that enable a product business to grow quickly at a scale as we would describe it? Yeah. I mean, the thing of it is, is that with a, a product business, if you get the product market fit right and you have a compelling uh, a compelling you know, value proposition, you can uh, you can start selling to many, many more customers over and over and over the the same value proposition in a much more scalable way. Um, and uh, when you pull back and look at the operations of that, it, it, it changes the way you sell. It changes the way you market. You have whole functional areas, product management and and a success management, customer care, things in a product company that are really not core to um you know, to a, to a services business. Service business is very much about billable utilization of, of your resources. Against the milestones in the contract. Absolutely. You're not, you're not doing customer discovery. The customer's telling you what they want from you. Yeah, they're telling you what they want. Um, it's, it's very much about delivering uh, and becoming a really trusted partner for that individual client. Um, so it's utilization. Recruiting is very important. The people, the culture. Not that people and culture aren't important in a product company, but literally the asset you have as a services business are the people and they come walking in and out of your office every day. So, and, yeah. Yeah. So these businesses are very different. They have different growth characteristics. They're both very viable and interesting. But if you want to get rich, let's face it, rapidly growing product business is a good way to get rich. And also investors tend to like product businesses. John, you've been in this region for quite a while now. You've built product businesses, service businesses. Why do you think that DC doesn't have more software product businesses? Yeah, I think it, that's a really interesting question to ponder. And for sure, we have the talent here. And um, we have, uh, I, I think, um, a lot of elements of a, of a strong ecosystem. And it's interesting to see the ecosystem over the course of a couple decades ebb and flow in different ways. Um, I think one of the things that we actually have here, and interestingly, is um, if you're neutral, just purely neutral as an entrepreneur, and you say, well, I'm just looking at opportunity, um, there's absolutely nothing inherently wrong with a services business. You can, if you own a significant part of a of a capable services businesses, 
that can be acquired and you can become a very wealthy person that way. Um, it's just a very different model. And it's not the model that, um, you know, uh, is, is predominantly what uh, venture is looking to invest in. Mm -hmm. But um, it is a valid model. And the thing is, I think what, what DC has um, is it, it has a lot of confidence and, and you've, you've, you, you know, sort of um, published some statistics about the, uh, the number of entrepreneurs in in our area, and the number of you know uh, the, the the richness of companies founded, but the the preponderance of those companies are services businesses. So there is entrepreneurship here. It's just that people are are pursuing services business. And I think part of it is that there's an opportunity to to create a services business in the DC area. It's almost like services is a it kind of competes for entrepreneurial mind share in some ways. But I don't know if it would be as easy. I'm not sure. But if you're in the Bay Area or some other ecosystem to actually create a services business, because mm -hmm. there isn't as much of a, uh, a ready uh, market uh, for that. And so um, if you're kind of risk neutral as an entrepreneur and you're looking at different options, it's a very valid option, which many, many people in our area have become very wealthy pursuing. It's just a different model. Jonathan, thank you very much for taking the time to unpack this issue for us. Jonathan, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. And a thank you to our sponsor, Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation. Their business development team can help you find the best talent, an ideal location, and the latest in market and business intelligence so you can do business successfully in the greater Washington region and Montgomery County. Your business success starts with MCEDC. Connect with them at thinkmoco.com. Support for this podcast comes from University of Maryland's Smith School of Business where students learn to harness data to meet tomorrow's challenges. More information about the Smith School MBA program is available at rhsmith.umd.edu. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online writer is Barbara Ulrich. Music provided by two DC region bands, Two Car Living Room and The Sunbathers. And let us know who you think we should be talking to on the show Tweet us at, at What's Working DC. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening.